And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeele. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday, and I'm Dave Dufour, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joining me as they do each and every week, Seth Partnow and Moda Kill. What's up, guys? Are you enjoying the All-Star break? No games. They're going to start the games uh, Thursday night back up, so uh, then we'll have some work to do this weekend. But uh, you guys enjoying the downtime? I am. I caught up on a show, uh, a delightful show called Shrinking on Apple TV, which is absolutely phenomenal. Concur. Dave, uh, you, you didn't sound like your heart was in the, the intro there. It's like you're, you're you're going through the motions. Not that we've seen any of that. Like, we're not going <laughs> to talk about it, that, right? It never happens this <laughs> yeah, time of year yeah, at all. Yeah, we're, we're, that's, that's all we're going to that's all we're going to say about that. Guys, a uh, little bit of news uh, that, that trickled in. Was this an all star news dump? Is that what we would call it? The Hawks have decided to move on from head coach Nate McMillan. And, Mo, they're starting a coaching search. And they, they want to find a, a very specific type of coach. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it was comical. It was comical. The the list of searches, the list of uh, what they're looking for in a coach. Good on offense. Good on defense. Hold plays players accountable and everything. And I was just like, oh, okay. You're looking, looking for, for Greg Popovich. Is, is you're looking for the perfect coach, which is like every coach, every staff, every organization is. But uh, I'm not at all surprised with the firing of Nate. We've talked about it a ton. I felt like the offense was terrible. I felt like, and as much as we can point to Trey Young being a big issue of it, and and firing Nate, we should be clear, doesn't fix all of their problems. But I think that was, I think his lack of creativity was a big issue for them this year. Going into the season with the staff, with the roster they had, they needed to add more creativity to their offense, and he just just didn't seem like Nate was doing it. Well, but they've got Joe Prunty, right? Like, so it's not like they don't have someone on staff who's a creative offensive mind. I mean, you know, we, we all know about his, his famous sideline uh, and AT, all his ATO work, but how much of this is a coaching issue, Seth? And how much of this is a player issue? I mean, this is not uh, Trey young. is not the easiest guy to coach. Let's just say it straight out. I mean, he has proven to be um, not a, a big time team player. And I'm not sure that that anyone's going to coach that out of it. I mean, it's a player issue, but ultimately that that does kind of get back to a coaching issue too. Because I, I mean, we talked about it last week. You got to sell it. You know, you okay, you have you have offensive creativity that you want guys to run. Even even giving the benefit of the doubt on that, based on who else is on the staff, players won't do it. You're doing a bad job selling it. You're not coaching. 
So, um, I, and as you say, the degree of difficulty here is high, but that's coaching. Still, that's coaching. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I say it a lot. Sorry, Seth, just because jump on it real quick. I say it all the time. Coaching is a sales job. You got to constantly be selling your players. They got to constantly be buying. They are your most important customers as a coach. And I think that's one of those things that's, you know, I think Nate failed. Like that's honestly, and, and cool. Trey's not going to run this. Cool. Trey, I got a, I, I, I got a seat for you next to me on the bench. I think this is the biggest reason why, why college coaches tend to struggle when they come to the NBA is because of the dynamics at play. College coaches can order. NBA coaches have to convince. Right. And those are obviously different skill sets. Um, well, college and- is a coach's league, right? The, co- the In college, the coach is the star. Well, I mean, the coach I mean, makes more money than the players, obviously, right? But and so they that. get to they get to dictate the terms, and in the NBA, that power structure flips. Well, it's also because if the player is any good, he's gone in a year. You know, for the <laughs> there most you part, go. like there's yeah. the, like it is a coach's league because they're the only constant. You That's know, it. they're at least going to be there for four or five years. You know, and at minimum, you know, in that. And I think it's it's one of those things. And and Dave, you kind of made a face when I said the. Uh, you can come sit next to me type situation. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting benched. I mean, he, no, if you, you bench Trey Young, I mean, you've got, you better have four years on your deal. Let me tell you this much. He didn't, and he got fired anyways. That's that's a that's you're a gonna good point. go. You're gonna get fired anyways. Go down your way. Go down fighting in that sense. If you think this is this is my problem with a lot of coaches and a lot of organizations in general is they all play scared. Coaches are scared to coach. This is bullshit. This isn't what we need. This is honestly like these kids are coming into the league less fundamentally sound because again, they only play one year of college. They play, you know, that's a whole other topic in that sense. But that means you got to coach and you got to coach harder. And that means you got to, at a certain point go, Trey, I don't care that you're the face of the franchise. You're running this stuff. Cause it's good for the team. If you're not going to run this, I'm not playing you. And, 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 and if this costs me my job, it costs me my job, but that's the way these coaches got to approach this stuff. Cause you're going to get fired anyways. Cause you're not winning that way. And I think that's the problem. And ultimately, and I think that's kind of what ended up undoing Nate. I mean, but the coaches have no power in the NBA. I mean, there's very few coaches that could bench a star and not have it become an issue. I mean, you know, if if Nate were to have benched Trey Young for whatever reason, and then Trey Young goes and says, hey, uh, yeah, it's got to fire Nate, that's what's going to happen. I mean, we've seen this already play out, you know, year after year after year. And you just get to the point where you start looking at the league and it's like, how do you coach? How do you, how do you coach in the NBA? I I just don't know. I I don't know that you can. No, I think honestly, let Trey young go to the front office and, and and tell you, you know, demand that you get fired. Cause that's going to come out and that's going to make Trey look bad. And Trey already looks pretty bad uh, to be honest at this point with the way things are going. And, and you know, we, again, topics for other days but like this is one of those things you're you're watching in real time and i just think man you can't play scared as a coach you can't you just simply can't and and honestly you'll probably get more respect from the rest of your team if you go that way you know the um and part of it comes from the players and and all of that pop only got to do what he wanted as a coach because tim let him coach and and tim understood that and maybe this is something that's changing generationally and things like that, which I hate being the old guy saying these types of things, but we're getting to this point 
where it's like teams are just giving players way too much control way too early, and when they haven't done a goddamn thing. And I think that's something that organizationally they got to start figuring out because we've seen too many organizations build a culture, bring people in, and then have it get completely torn down, and and, and they look vastly different than what they were preaching to be. And I think it's not just the Nets because everybody knows I'm alluding there, but like so many different teams have done that. And it's like the good ones build an organization, culture, and keep the culture and do what they have to do to keep it. And I think that's one of those things we're, we're struggling in the league with that right now. Especially when it's players that haven't won anything. You know, th- this is this is the, the stuff that kind of gets my goat. We're going to be old men. Let me use an old phrase. If you haven't won anything, who are you to do to, to demand anything? The coach, I mean, the, the coach has a, a lifetime of experience before he gets the opportunity. No, this, I, like, ask for stuff. Sure. It's not on, like, you know, I think it is something I tell people who, like, ask me for career advice all the time is ask for stuff. Like, no one's going to give you Well, it's up to the organization stuff. to say no. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, for, right. yeah, right. like, hey, hey I, want, I want this to happen. That's nice. No. Exactly. You just, you have to. You have to say no. And and maybe we're a little bit misplaced here saying uh, or blaming the players, right? Like human nature, right? Maybe we should give them a little bit of grace. They are just asking for stuff, and it is up to the organization to say no. And you would think that more organizations would say no. Like they are the ones that hire these guys. Nate McMillan, when he first came in, they got a, a, a great bump, a, a, a defensively especially. But it's just been all downhill from that. I, I just think, honestly, they just have so many – issues though too but it's not i also because i just went on that whole rant i also just want to be clear i thought nate should have been fired like i was kind of on that thing in a while like i said that here like i felt like that what they were doing was bad i didn't feel like he was getting what he needed out of the players fortunately for trey the next move is if, if this doesn't work out they're probably trading trey right like that's that's the 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 thing there you know how many more coaches does he get to burn through I don't know. Uh, that I'm going to leave it on that one. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we're going to go take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about the teams that we're excited by for the rest of the season, and the ones that um, we're less than enthused about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The All-Star break is over. We are in the home stretch. This is the, the time of year where we're starting to gear up, looking ahead to the playoffs. And there are a few teams that we're pretty pumped about. And, and I know that we're pumped because our, our little group chat starts popping. I get videos from, from Mo. Hey, did you guys see this? Can the Orlando Magic make the play-in, guys? They, they've they really 
kind of played some good basketball lately. Paolo Bancaro obviously is having a great rookie year. Franz Wagner, the internet's favorite, you know, wing. Can they make the play in? I'm excited by the the idea of them going for it. That's all I want is them to go for it. Right now, they're four games out of the play-in tournament. I think, honestly, playing important games in March and April is so valuable to your young players in terms of understanding like what it takes and what we need and all of those things that come with it. Like, I really want them to go for it. I don't want them to kind of play it safe and let's go, okay, we had a good year. We have excitement built and things like that. You know you're getting the pick from Chicago unless it's top four. And I think just, hey, just go. You're not going to be in a position to get Webb and Yama. The, 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 the four bottom teams are bad and are going to make sure they continue to be bad. But the the Webb and Yama sweep six doesn't apply to you. Go for the plane. I'm all for it. I think it's great for Paolo. I think it's great for Franz. I think it's great. Isaacs is back, and I think that's an important piece for them. I think it matters for Fultz. I think all of this stuff matters for that whole team there. I think it's go time right now. There are the the five teams ahead of them, of which they need to pass three, are Atlanta, Washington, Toronto, Chicago, Indiana. Would it shock any of you, either of you, if three or more of those teams just fell apart the rest of the season? No. No, I mean they're there so, for a reason. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, so or- Orlando has has every chance because if they play well over the rest of the season, the teams, some of the te- a couple of the teams ahead of them at least are going to come back to them. So, yeah, if they play well, they start closing out close games. They haven't really. Uh, they've 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 kind of. Uh, oh, this is before we thought they might have a chance. Like, oh, it's another great Orlando game. Everyone looked great, and they lost a close one. And then they actually won too many games for that to actually matter, um, which is good. But I think that if they, it's it, the ball is in their hands. Basically, they if they if they do what they need to do, they will make the play. Do you, do you feel like this team? I mean, can they can they do it? That's it. Not if can. I mean, they're young, but they've been. We've watched them get better as the season has gone on. <sighs> their guard play is so bad. What it's do they not, need to go? What do they need to go down the stretch? What do they need to go? I don't know. I think if they go, if they go thirteen and ten, do they get in? Thirteen and ten. Yeah, thirteen and ten puts them at thirty-seven wins. I think thirty-seven wins gets them in the playoffs. I mean, I my only concern, and Seth touched on it though. It's it's really can you close games? That's what they need to do. They need to close games and win some of these games down the stretch when they're in close ones because they're good enough to keep games close, but they blow them at the end by some young young talent stuff, which is normal for a young right. team and things like that. And I think, again, that's part of the growing process. I think this is a team that I'm looking at going like, all right, guys, like let's, let's try to make this happen here. I think they have a legitimate chance, though. If they can close, you know, 30% more, of those games, I think they make the play-in tournament. But uh, also part of it is they're going to have to jump some teams. And Indiana's right there, and Indiana ain't going away. That's another team I forgot to mention, Dave. Be excited about. That's a fun team, too. Yeah. Uh, The next team we're excited about, very basic of us, the Phoenix Suns. I think the big reason why we're we're excited is because 
I don't know for sure that it's going to work. And I'm excited to see them try. I I completely agree with that. And I think I think that was basically our reaction to the trade happened. It's everyone was like, oh, they're the immediate favorite. We're a little bit. Well, they still have a lot of questions to answer here. Like the talent is like, yes, but there's a lot of can they stop anybody? Who's their fifth starter? What kind of lineups can they put out there? Can they find another way to play, given that one of their four dudes is a traditional center? There are a lot of questions, and it's going to be interesting to see them over the last 20-whatever games of the season try to figure it out on the fly. Try to come out with what their playoff rotation is. Try to come up with what their options are. I don't think I don't think any of us think that they can they can you know make the finals if they just play your turn, my turn, his turn with with uh, with you know Booker, Katie, and CP3. So they have to do some kind of integration, and it's going to be interesting to see. And there's going to be some growing pains. The funny thing is, though, I don't one I don't look at this team already as a his turn, your turn team. Even with Booker and CP, they've done a great job. And this is where I want to give Monty Williams a ton of credit, like really incorporating these guys into the offense, into the creating an offensive structure that flows between those guys way more than that. KD comes in, and I don't, this is really an underrated thing about KD. I, I, I don't think it's talked about much. Yo, he's plug and play in almost every place he goes to. He's not a dude you have to change the playbook for. He's not a guy you, he's cool. You need me to stand here and play second side? No problem. You need me to come off pin downs? No problem. You need me to be part of the Spain pick and roll? I can do it. You know, he can do a bunch of different little things versatility wise. What he gives them to is the ultimate release valve of like nine seconds on the clock. We haven't got anything. They defended it. Well, eh, (laughs) KD go, you know, and, and allow him to go ISO. Maybe that's where you'll get some of that. Your turn, my turn. Cause sometimes it'll be KD. Sometimes it'll be Booker. But I think they'll get those opportunities there in that. You're right in the sense of we have no idea what to expect from this team. I just think at a certain point, talent's going to really overcome a lot of this. Your turn, my turn when it's KD and Devin Booker, though. Uh, Pretty damn in the good. Playoffs, in the playoffs, <laughs> that's going to yeah, be powerful. So they, they I, I see what you're saying, Mo, but they also traded like a lot of their connective tissue. Like the kind of things that lets them have a little bit of flow. That's kind of gone out the door a little bit. So, and they have in, in the playoffs the last couple of years, the bigger problem has been it, it's, they have kind of been reduced to your turn, my turn a little bit by the better opponents they play. Like Dallas did that too a little bit last year, and certainly Milwaukee did. Like that was you know, Milwaukee, and when they wrapped up the finals, it was basically Devin Booker beat us from mid range. I dare you. We'll even feed you PJ Tucker to to to, to tempt you into take into going one on one in those spots. Yeah, but I don't think I, one. I think ultimately, okay, cool. They now have the the great equalizer. Yeah. If you push them into your turn, my turn, and to your point with the connective tissue, they've only lost one of them because Cam Johnson only played seventeen games this season, and Jay Crowder didn't play all season. And I think that's an important aspect of that when we talk about they've lost a lot of depth with this. They, they got stuff back. And I think, you know, TJ Warren, if he can prove to be healthy and ready to go by the playoffs, matters. That's a big if. I get that. The Terrence Ross pickup was really good. I I don't know if they're in the running for Will Barton, but that would be another guy I would look at if I were them. Like, this is also a place where the people are going to want to play there in that sense. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for some of those guys 
that to kind of replace the connective tissue. The the funny thing I look about this trade is it really reminds me of Pau Gasol getting traded to the Lakers. Both teams were, you looked at the Suns team before this trade, I had no chance, in my opinion, to win a championship, even get to the finals. Now I'm looking at them going like, man, I don't know how teams are going to stop them. And I think that's the thing that matters. And we're going to have to see it. Of course, you guys are both right. (laughs) You got to get on the court and we got to see them and they got to be healthy and play it. But like, I think if they are, I just think it really becomes an issue. That's why they're exciting. That's why they're an exciting team to watch is because there is that, there is that peak that's there that, that we can see it. Um, I mean, it's sort of a little bit like uh, when when Denver traded for obviously completely level player, but when Denver traded for Aaron Gordon, it's like, oh, that's perfect. Let's right. see. And then we saw it over those next couple weeks, and then Murray got hurt. So there's a little bit of that. What could we see here, which makes them exciting? So as we're recording, they're four and a half games back of the Grizzlies for the two seed. Now I don't think anybody's catching Denver. Denver is way out ahead. Uh, they would need something. You know, an injury to happen, um, and probably to Jokic, right? Like, knock on that's, wood. yeah, yeah. Knock well, I'm not, not superstitious, so I'm not worried about it. But do you guys think that they could be the two seed? Phoenix gets to the two seed. That's that's obviously that's huge for them. But do you guys think that they could they can get to the two seed? They were playing really good ball here lately too. I think part of that is a question for Memphis in terms of the health of Stephen Adams. You know the yeah. the how. We apparently he matters a ton, right? We have since underestimated the value of Steven Adams in his since offensive. Since he's gotten rebounding. hurt, right? Like they've they've plummeted in the you know in terms of just wins and stuff, and they've went through some tough tough streaks and things like that. I shouldn't say plummeted; they're still second in the West, right? Right. But I think if if Steven Adams is out for a while, even longer, there's a legitimate chance. I think if he comes back healthy, I think they're fine. But I think there's an I I would expect the Suns to actually be the three seed. Sorry, Jay, but your uh your your Jay King minutes gonna Kings be very interesting. It's gonna be I think they're gonna be in a little bit of a situation there. They're only a game and a half out of the third seed. And I think they can take Memphis in the second round. Like that's a scary proposition for Memphis. Just looking completely classed past the Clippers is a team that you have to uh, we'll get to the Clippers later. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, another team, guys, our, our last team that we're really excited for. Joel Embiid has been spectacular this season. James Harden has legitimately looked great. Can Philly crash the party at the top of the East? Can can they maybe, you know, Giannis is going to be out. Can they maybe overtake the Bucs and, and sort of be the, the second seed? Or, or can we maybe find ourselves putting them in sort of a top three where there only exists a top two. Now like we only talk about Milwaukee and Boston as having a chance to come out of the East. Do you guys feel like Philly can, can make us believe in them before the playoffs? What could they do in the regular season to make us not worry about the things we're going to worry about them in the playoffs? I mean, that's the problem, right? They're the, they're the team. They're the team. Like it's they're, they're the proven in the playoffs team, right? Like yeah. That's the that's the issue. But, it's them and the Nuggets, right? You know, yeah. And I think that's a, it's funny. Two team, two guys that have been the front runners for the MVP the last few years, in that sense, you know. But I think the the stuff that's exciting about them is they really figured themselves out throughout the course of the season. Maxi going to the bench. You know, they've gotten, you know, gotten great stuff out of Melton. I think they're they're doing some really interesting things. I think the Joel Embiid, uh, James Harden pick and roll is proven to be pretty unstoppable for the most part. 
except the only guys that can stop them is James and, and Joel. And I think that's the issue with that. I, I find them fascinating. And it's, it's, it's because if they can find a way to be the second seed, or even more importantly, the one seed, man, that run to the conference finals without having to go against Boston and Milwaukee is, is, is huge. And making Boston and Milwaukee have to slug it out in a second round series, and you get the the you get the team after they've been weakened a little bit, I think goes a long ways there. And that's obviously making assumptions that they get there. But I think the the crash the party for them, if they get the one seed, I mean shit, man. The one thing I'll say they can show the rest of the season is if that that backup center thing kind of gets like the the they pick one. They picked up Dwayne Dedman. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's Paul Reed. Maybe, I don't. I think. I don't think any of us think that that Montrez Harrell is is viable in 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 the playoff situation in that role. But that's. I mean, you want to talk about a, a a known weakness heading into the playoffs every year? That's still there. It's that. It's the with the minutes that that Embiid doesn't play. And I don't know if they can convince me it's fixed, but they can convince me they have a plan over the rest of the season. What is their defense going to look like in the playoffs? That this is it worries me. I mean, look, when Embiid hits the bench, because Embiid is the ultimate rising tide for their defense. Like he he erases so many mistakes. But when he goes to the bench, I mean, are they going to be minus ten every game? Is that the whole? I mean, that's what they've got to solve. And it's not just a backup big. Like they just, you know, they they need wing defense. They need point of attack defense. I mean, I think that's just kind of why, you know, they're, they're hoping McDaniels can show them something in the final run of the playoffs, the, the final run to the playoffs, I think, and seeing that kind of stuff and things like that. The backup center stuff or, or just that answer, I just think they're just going to roll with it and, and have to live with it. And, and, and unfortunately, it's like the fourth year we've been dealing with this for, <laughs> for Philly, you know, with, with all that stuff. And every time they try to bring in a backup center, it hasn't worked out. I... I still am just fascinated for them because they're only three games back out of the uh, the one seed. That's not a lot. And when you look at the fact that Giannis is going to start the all- coming back from the All-Star break, you know, missing a few games, that's important for the Bucks. You know, Boston's a little bit shaky with their big men not always being healthy right now and things like that. The goal for, for Philly is if we can get that one seed and make those bastards play each other in the second round. Like, we're in a good position. And I think that's the the goal there and that needs to be the attitude and they need to come out themselves aggressive starting the the basically the new season uh, i'm going to say something maybe a little counterintuitive here um Giannis getting an extra week and a half off or so assuming that there's like the wrist is not like a lingering thing i don't think that like i don't think it's a bad thing actually for milwaukee um we've we you know one of our favorite you know frames of reference on this show has been hard miles First half of the season before Middleton came back, a lot of hard miles for Giannis. Little extra break, little recharge, come back, you know, full of full of full of pep. I, you know, if even if you drop a spot in the standings, I I think you probably take that trade. I think that works until you find out who the second seed is, and it's in, in that sense, right? Like if if yeah. whatever, if Philly does climb to one, and your second seed opponent is going to be. Uh, yeah. Boston. I think they're more afraid of Boston than Philadelphia. I just think that's the honest thing. You're right. And like, this isn't catastrophic, 
Giannis missing games. I don't think, you know, for everything you said, you're a thousand percent correct. And I'm pissed. I didn't think about it before you. Um, but the ultimate thing is the, and that will be good for them come playoff time, but we are going to get to the point where seating is going to matter at this point. And even for them trying to get home court advantage for the, you know, for the entire Eastern conference playoffs is going to matter for them to a degree. And I think that was something that we we've talked about last season in that series where they lost to Boston. So I think you, I think this is one of those things you're good with it, but not too many games. Giannis. Let's, let's, let's make sure we're, 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 we're ready to roll. All right. We're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the teams that we're not really excited about. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We should have done that first so that we don't end on a sour note <laughs> now that I think about it. Well, here to end on a sour note, um, we're going to talk about the teams that don't excite us. And I think right off the bat, the team that we skipped over initially, the, the Los Angeles Clippers. We haven't been excited about them since they signed Kawhi and Paul George, basically, uh, because, you know, those guys don't play very much. And I think that that team kind of, they're just kind of boring, and it's been the same team over and over again. You know, despite the... Go ahead. despite just a, a, a rotating cast of characters around Kawhi and Paul George, it's kind of been like, well, well are they going to play and be the best player on the court? And that's day to day. You never know. It's it's frustrating with that, but you know, the honest thing, Dave, was like I was actually getting excited about this team. Was really? genuinely beginning to you get excited, were. which was, you know, I was beginning to see stuff with the trades they made and so on and everything like that. And I told you guys on trade deadline, though, the moment they signed Russ, I told you on the trade deadline show, folks, I have it on record. Go back. The moment they sign Russ, I'm out. They've signed Russ, folks. I'm out. This is this is this is ridiculous in that sense of like, I think it's an incredibly bad move. I think it was it was uh, uh, let's go chase a name because our players want us to, and all of that. And I think it's going to backfire in their face. I just can't believe they did it. And you know, that's I I, I am no longer excited 
It just doesn't I, make any sense. It makes no sense from a basketball perspective. Doesn't make it much sense from a locker room perspective. I, I'm, and I actually, I, I just thought I think Russell West, Russell Westbrook should be on a team somewhere. I mean, he's an NBA caliber player, but it, this one just does not make any sense whatsoever. Um, you know, you just traded for Bones Highland, and now what? Oh, he's gonna just sit. Further down the bed. I mean, it's awful news for Bones Highland. It's just, it's kind of meh news for the Clippers. I mean, they had kind of found something starting Terrence Mann, I thought. Like, yeah. playing, not really playing a point guard and just having a, you know, you know the the actual good version of, of Vision of Vision 6-7 or whatever. Um, they, they, I thought they had kind of found something and made themselves difficult to play in the same way they were difficult to play in the, in the playoffs a couple of years ago before Kawhi got hurt. Um, yeah. And now they're just, you know, we, you know, how often do we talk about teams like sacrificing the identity that made them good? This the, this risks that. No, I mean the the thing that's frustrating is you're right. Not only did they just find that the the, the rhythm with that, but also like here's the thing: you really gonna play Russ and not play Zubac that much? Because you can't play the two of them on the court at the same time. Now right, you because two you, you, need, you need the shooting. Yeah, you've you've lost more spacing now with that. So like when you if you put Russ in the starting lineup, good luck, you know. And and, and I think Zubac is really important to them. I think the Clippers they fallen in love with small ball because they beat the Jazz with that, and it worked for them, and it made a lot of sense. I think they need to fall out of it. And I think they I think they're better off playing bigger more often than not. And I think that's one of those things. And I think the Plumlee move was a good move for them. They made good moves at the trade deadline that were smart. Eric Gordon, I think, was a great pickup for them. And I think it's it's something there. Another guy that can handle the ball with everything. I just felt like everything they the moves they made are just this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make you better. It makes you weaker. And I think that's Seth, you were ta- you were remarking as to like, oh, we're just gonna pass over the Clippers. Yeah. Totally. I, I I've I've that's like I just look at them going like this was a dumb move. And you know what? Maybe Two months from now, three months from now, I might come back with egg on my face. I think this was stupid. I just can't. I mean, I guess the idea is he can eat some innings or something. Um, but that's like bringing a guy in for five innings and let it, okay, just give up eight runs. It doesn't doesn't really make sense if you're trying to win basketball games. And I I guess you could split him and Zoo. Uh, and, and maybe you only play Russ like the 15 or 18 minutes a game that, that Zubac isn't out there. But uh, he, I don't think he can really play with Plumlee either because then you run into the similar problem. It, it just doesn't really make much sense to me. I mean, they're going to play small more and in that sense, and I think that's their idea. But again, you're just taking the ball out of the hands of Kawhi and PG, and maybe it's lessening their miles. Maybe they're concerned about hard miles or whatnot. But like, again, it's it's hard to call something hard miles when there's only ten miles on them. And I think that's the the issue with that. And I think you know, I just look at them and I go, man, you didn't need to make this move. This was this was something you did to placate players. Going back to our earlier conversation, where hey, this didn't make sense for you. I hope I hope this works out for you because if it blows up in your face. You're going to look incredibly bad, and you're going to look like the Clippers are going to clip. That's You're just going to keep getting that phrase again. And I think that was a dumb decision on their end. Buyout guys are – it's it's always much more heat than light about what buyout guys are going to do. 
but there's it's seldom that a buyout guy can actually hurt you. It's like, all right, we'll try this guy. Oh, he's got nothing left. I don't think this is the case with a, with, with a player like, you know, we've, we've actually seen it hurt teams before. And I think that uh, we, I, I was talking about this in another context um, <laughs> um, that, that, you know, when Anderson Verja went to the, went to the, 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 the Warriors and they played him and he, I don't want to say he cost them the, the, the title, but he didn't help in, in the 2016 finals. And you feel beholden to play the guy and, he kind of screws up the flow, or if you don't play him, it's a problem. Like, what's the, the what's the upside of this? I mean, Ty Lue's gonna play him. I honestly, like, I just feel it in my bones. Like, Ty's gonna play him. Ty Ty Lue doesn't consider Terrence Mann a point guard, which he, he, he might be right in that regard. He's been clamoring for a point guard since he's got here, and I think this is this is what they think is okay. This is the best point guard we've gotten. You've gotten a, a worse version of John Wall. And I think this is going to be a thing where if he's not playing, media is going to be all over it. Why aren't you playing Russ? Why aren't you playing Russ? Why aren't you playing Russ? Russ plays crunch time minutes for you, and you and you blow the game. You're gonna, I'm gonna jump all over you. Russ doesn't play crunch time minutes for you, and you lose the game. And everybody's gonna be like, "Well, you should have played Russ." And I think that's gonna be the 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 issue with a lot of these things. And I think they just put themselves in such a weak position as an organization to do this. Like, I just think this is, I think it was, I can't say it enough. It, it doesn't wrong. make any sense. It's weird. It, it really straight up. It's just weird. Um, it's just, it's definitionally a bad bet. Yeah. Okay. We're moving on, moving on. Cause they, they bore us. Um, Portland guys talk about boring. <sighs> Damian Lillard is a, you know, top 15 player safely. You could say that maybe top 10 even. And, and he's incredible. Uh, getting older, supposed to be building around him. Guys, is Cam Reddish? Is that what it looks like? Is that what building around Damian Lillard looks like? It's not. It's not building. We don't have time to build. You gotta. You have to go. It's. it's you gotta be all in. Like we 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 maybe thought that that Dame was entering a different spot of his career. Got gets the gets the abdominal surgeries. Looks amazing. Looked great. He's looked amazing. I thought he was washed. Yeah. Because yeah. the the injury, he really couldn't turn a corner on guys. It started with the Olympics, where he just it, it looked like his burst was gone. the The shot wasn't falling. I mean, he looks awesome right now. I mean, I got a first hand look at him at All Star, and I mean, those half court shots. I mean, those are just pull ups. He looks strong. I mean, he looks great. And they did nothing. They made they they nibbled around the edges, and they're good like asset plays. That's fine. Um. But you can't, you, you know, you can't, you can't split the baby. You got it. You're either all the way in or all the way out at this point, because you know we might argue that all right with Dame they're not going anywhere, so maybe go your way. That once that's off the table, you got to go. And they just they they they're just kind of uh, we'll, we'll we'll we're gonna kick the can down the road, keep our options open for next year. Who are you gonna get? He's an, he's a, he's another year older. You got you got some of the contracts you could have used to go get players are gonna roll off the books. You're gonna have to pay Jeremy Grant, and it's gonna be, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start with two small guards and do the do the same thing all over again, just with older players. They should have traded Simons. They should trade Simons. We're at that point now. It's it's we've seen it with Dame now at this point where having another small guard with you doesn't 
it's funny. We saw it with them with CJ for a long time, and now we're seeing it again with Simons, and and it's just not working out defensively and all of that stuff. And I think, you know, I'm, I, Dave, I'm genuinely bored even by the conversation. I feel bad. It sucks. It, I, but it's just like, hey, like they they as Seth said, it's either you go one way or the other. And they, they said, we're going this way. We're trying to build a contender around Dane, but our actions are, are we're just going to do, we're just going to make small trades for no reason. I feel like they've, they've blown it. And I feel like they, honestly, they should have just went and traded Simons and, and, and gotten some pieces there for Dane. You know, it's boring because it's been happening the same way over and over and over every year. And we hear the same stuff. And what are, the, the guy who gets asked the question constantly is Damian Lillard. Are you committed to Portland? Are you committed to Portland? I mean, it's a meme at this point. He uh, he talked about it with Chris Haynes on his podcast. Like, you know, I mean, it is a meme. But maybe the real question is, is Portland committed to Dame? Because they're, the lack of willingness to to move Simons, one of their bigger pieces, to, to actually take a swing, um, I... It's troubling. I know that they just got Jeremy Grant, but Jeremy Grant's not, you know, that's not that guy. He's a good piece, but he can't be, he's not the second best player on a team that's expected to do anything in the playoffs. I just, I don't know. At at this point with Portland, I don't know. Maybe they just need to think about moving on from Dame this summer. Free Dame is where we're at. And now everyone's going to hate me in Portland. Uh, Guys, I want to move on to the last team that we're absolutely not excited about. And unfortunately, because... This is a team that we've been excited about for a few years. We came into this season very excited. I mean, hell, up until a couple months ago, we were excited. And the reason that we're not excited, it's not fair to them. You know, Zion just can't stay healthy. Brandon Ingram has missed a lot of time, although he's now back. But the Zion injury has ruined my enthusiasm for the Pelicans. And I want to ask, are we just going to consider this another lost season for them? kind of have to at this point like you know look they were a great story last year made the playoffs gave phoenix a a a big push in that first round i started the season really well even though still had injuries but they had zion on the court zion gets hurt and they go on a massive losing streak they plummet in the standings they're now on the in the playing tournament can maybe sneak into the top six but you watch his team and you just saying you watch this team and you're just looking at it going like, man, what, what are we doing here at this point? Like, it's just a repeat again, you know, Zion's going to be out. We're going to reevaluate Zion in whatever weeks and da, 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 and da, da, da. And just, it's just sad. Square one. We're just it's back sad. to square one. Yeah. It's not disappointing. Like they didn't do anything. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like signing Russell Westbrook for no good reason. It, it, it's out of their hands. Like we're not, we're not, you know, bored by the conversation because we don't want them to be good or because they aren't good when they're at full strength. It's just bored because there's nothing we can say. You know, the Zion injury stuff has just feels like it killed another season. And, man, I thought they were good. I thought they really were going to have a shot at, like, a Western Conference Finals. We've got a good team to play around Zion. Like, I mean, I think we know that, like, Brandon Ingram is not a fair player. and But when he was out... You know, Zion with like a bunch of switchable wings who can who can shoot a little like, you know, it's uh, what what's the recipe for building a team around LeBron? I'm not comparing LeBron to Zion, but 
there is a certain similarity, you know, between LeBron's eye and Giannis in terms of, of the sort of the physical profile and the gravity towards the rim that they can draw. And so kind of build with similar pieces and they did that and it, it was, it, it looked really nice. And then as you say, tweaks a hamstring, turns out to be more than tweak, hurts it again before the all-star break or sometime, given that, uh, I don't think we have a we have a lot of reason based on track record to put a lot of stock in any sort of timeline that comes out of the, the Pelicans organization about this. So, yeah, it's it's you know there's not even that uh, that date we can look at. Well, he's gonna he's gonna be back on March 15th, and then then we can really see. It's just like whatever they say. It's just like yeah, I'll believe back when we see it. And I mean, do do either of you think he plays again this year? I don't look if you I get don't to want the, to answer. Yeah, I don't want to answer. I don't want to answer specifically. No, but you, I will say neither this. of you do. Neither of you think that's he's gonna it. Play right. I mean, you know. if you get to March 15th with him and hamstrings are are awful, like it's a it's a hard injury to come back from. You're constantly re-aggravating it as a part of the process. Like it's just it sucks. I mean, this is uh, again, I don't I think the guy wants to play and obviously the organization wants him to play. Um but if he was out for the rest of the season, I don't think anybody would be surprised. I, I don't. I, I don't think so. And it just—it's it, a legitimate injury, right? So I can't. I'm not, not. I'm not trying to hammer the team or or Zion or anything. It just—it's just disappointing as you know, as somebody that that watches a lot of Pelican. Yeah, plain and simple. Yeah. It just sucks. Yeah, it sucks. So we can't be excited about him because every time we get excited. Get let down, and it just can't have nice things. Yeah, it sucks. It, it again feels like another lost season. So, uh, did I end that on a sour enough note, Mo? Was that? Yeah, man. I mean, like, like I said, man. We, should, you know, I, I after the fact, I'm taking blame as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, I, 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 I'm not putting this all on you. I'm taking blame as well. I wish I had thought beforehand, going, hey, we should do the negative first, then the positive. But you know. This feels like a really good place for us to stop. We're looking ahead to the rest of the season. For Seth Partnow and Moda Kill, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.